In his Confessions, St. Augustine writes about his gradual conversion to Catholicism and then to the monastic life. And in the section of the Confessions, Book 8, if you're wondering, where Augustine is talking about the, the last push of his confession, where he finally made that or conversion, where he finally made that leap of faith, he tells a story about how he was in this moment in his faith where he had decided that the church was true, but he wasn't quite ready to make the leap all the way. Because he knew that if he were to convert to Christianity, he would have to live chastity. And he really liked living non-chastity. He didn't want to have to go back to chastity. And so he's fighting this. And so he gets put in touch by St. Ambrose with this priest down near Rome, or a a very holy man near Rome. I can't remember if he's a priest or not. And this guy tells them uh, the conversion story of Victorinus. And Victorinus was a very prominent philosopher, well-known throughout Rome, who toward the end of his own life had a conversion to Christianity. But Victorinus, like St. Augustine, was a bit concerned about his own conversion because he had been such a prominent figure in the pagan world. Imagine, if you will, if Neil deGrasse Tyson today announced on all of the news shows that he was becoming a Catholic. This would be shocking to most of us. But so Victorinus was given this option, and so, but he was kind of dragging his feet. And so he would say kind of wryly to a friend of his, well, you know, I'm already Christian. And the friend would say, if you're a Christian, why don't I see you in church? The idea being that if you truly believe this, it will impact every aspect of your life, and in particular, your worship. And so finally, Victorinus decides, okay, I'm going to make the profession of faith. And back in the early church, adult conversion was normative. That Most people who came into the church were adults, right? And so they would profess the creed in public. It was a big event. But it was also very socially um, difficult. Or very, it, it could destroy your social life in Rome at that time because it was still pagan. There were still a lot of pagans there. So for him to stand up in front of everyone and to profess the creed was a form of social suicide. And so they offered it to him, we can do it in private. You still have to profess the faith, but instead of doing it in front of everybody, just do it in front of a few of us Christians. And he said, no, Victorina said. And so he goes in front of all of Rome, Augustine writes, and professes the creed. And the crowd starts chanting his name. So moved were some of them that they too came to conversion. But this story of Victorinus started to really push St. Augustine. And eventually, not a little while longer, he read in the scriptures from St. Paul's elsewhere in the letter to the Romans that not in drunkenness and carousing, but in God do we find our fulfillment. And he realized that he too had to convert. How often are our lives kind of twisted, where we we want to believe, we desire, we have this ache in our heart for fulfillment, for the Lord, for eternity and infinity, but we also recognize our own shortcomings. We recognize the price of giving our lives totally to Christ. It is the cross. Let us not forget that. And we kind of end up in some weird in-between where on one day we're closer, on another day we're further away, but we kind of go back and forth. 
But when we enter into the season of Lent, brothers and sisters, the Lord is calling each of us to step into with joy, with hope, and conviction the truth. To step into His life. St. Paul says in that beautiful second readings from Romans 10 that if you believe in your heart and profess with your lips that Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, you will be saved. And what St. Paul is calling all of us to is to that interior unity and integrity manifesting itself in the world. Just as Victorinus was challenged that, yes, if you believe, you have to show up to church. You have to believe and act upon those beliefs in everything you do. So too are we called. And our freedom is saying yes to that. Is accepting that, is receiving that, and stepping into it. To not be afraid. And let's be honest, it is difficult. There are times when I'm afraid to preach the truth. And I'm a priest. There are times when it's difficult to stand up for what the church teaches on any number of issues. Human sexuality, immigration, abortion, the poor, all of those things are difficult in one way, shape, or form in a social, in a social world. But we are called this Lent to enter into the desert so that we can strip away those things that keep us from God, those barnacles in our life that hold us back from being exactly who we're meant to be and step into who we're meant to be more fully during Lent. The desertification process of Lent is actually the calling, the making pure, the making good, that fertile seedbed that the Lord desires to bring abundant growth in our life. That's the power of the desert with Jesus, is that He has overcome the world. In the gospel today, we see the temptation, the three temptations of Jesus after 40 days and nights without food in the desert. We see the temptation, and Jesus responds in three ways. He responds with the authentic interpretation of the Word of God. He says, I have revealed to you what you need. And when Jesus speaks, he speaks in eternity, he's speaking to us too. He says to us, one does not live on bread alone. He says to us, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone you shall serve. He says to us, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But not only does he go back to the word of God, he, the incarnate word of God, confronts and overcomes the temptation which makes it possible for us to be so free and so in love with Jesus and so transformed by His grace that there is no temptation we cannot overcome through God's love, through His grace living within us. Those shackles, those things that hold you down, those sins that you don't think you can overcome, Jesus offers you freedom and His name be free. Because the reality of our world is that temptation is everywhere. We see three types of temptation in the gospel. The simple pleasure temptation of that little piece of bread, right? We live in a world where we are constantly being tempted by the simple pleasures of life, by that which we can reach down to our phone, by that which we can eat. We don't know what it's like to be poor and to go without. We are so inundated with things. And God is calling us to overcome those temptations through Jesus Christ this Lent. 
The second temptation is that of power and wealth. It is so easy in our life to think that all that matters is having success and having power and having the money that you need to live the life that you want. That is a lie. All of that comes at a price. Satan doesn't offer to that to the Jesus freely. He says, you have to worship me. If we strive after the things of this world that bring us power and wealth without integrity of life, they will enslave us. But Jesus offers us the freedom, offers us the grace to overcome even that temptation. And the last thing that the devil tempts Jesus with is pride and vanity. You're better than everybody else. You're a special butterfly. God will never let anything happen to you. You do you. Do whatever you want so long as that's what you want to do. God will take care of you. And Jesus says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Yes, that's true. God loves me in a unique way. Yes, each one of us is unrepeatable at a unique manifestation of the love of God. But that's a gift we are called to honor and to serve, not to abuse or to use at, for our own enjoyment. It's a gift. This is that freeing season of Lent where we take all that we have, all of the gifts, all of the struggles, all of the difficulties, and we ask Jesus to help us transform them. Because when we enter into the desert, those things are stripped away. And we don't just do that because we want to suffer needlessly. We do that because when we strip those things away, we create space in our hearts for God. So often in our life, we are so caught staring within, gazing on our own lives and on our own mistakes and on our own brokenness. And because our gaze is so fixed inward, we cram out the Holy Spirit. But when we turn our hearts and our minds all toward the outside, toward God, toward our brothers and sisters, toward a life of happiness, peace, and joy, we create a space in our heart to be overflowed and abundantly filled with the grace and the love of God. But in order for that to happen, we have to go into the desert and we have to face our temptations head on and we have to trust and go through them and overcome them through the love of God. And if we stumble and fall, and that is likely, we are sinners after all, Jesus is there to pick us up. He is there and he shows us that no matter what happens to you, I will be there with you every step of the way. No matter your temptations, no matter your sins, no matter your brokenness, I love you. I am here for you. I have come into this world to save you. As we heard on Ash Wednesday, St. Paul's letter to the first Corinthians, our first letter to the Corinthians, now is that acceptable time. Now is that time, like we heard in the first reading today from the book of Deuteronomy, to bring our gifts to the altar, to bring it all, to bring those temptations, to bring those doubts, to bring those difficulties, to bring even the good stuff, to recognize our humility and our need for transformation, and to open our hearts just a little bit more to the love of God, to the word of God dwelling in our hearts, in this world. Jesus Christ, living and abundant. Because every temptation that we can know, he knew and overcome. 
not for any glory of his own, but so that each of us would never be alone and would always have the strength, no matter what, to get up and to overcome, to be made new in the love and in the warm and gentle eternal embrace of Jesus.